We're going over PGA Tour Golf, AT&T, Pebble Beach Pro-Am, starting tomorrow at Pebble Beach Golf Club in California. It's a split course event uh, played on Spyglass Hill course and the Pebble Beach Golf Links. Um, course is a 145 slope, so above average slope, suggesting that it would be a fairly discerning course uh, between you know, talented, kind of more and less talented golfers. Um, in our projection and optimizer tool, we have the course info tab in which we provide some context around the relative importance of different uh, game, game traits for different golfers. So Pebble Beach, we have as having a slightly negative Z-score for baseline of negative 0.46. So slightly below average uh, scoring between the two courses combined. What I think is interesting with this course, a negative Z-score coefficients for uh, strokes game putting around the green approach and off the tee, all uh, Z scores less than negative one. So one standard deviation below tour average in terms of the, how, how punitive, I guess, and therefore rewarding the course is for players of these different strokes gain stats. So I find that interesting. You know, you have some courses that are like neutral or positive, right? These, uh, you know, neutral to positive coefficients here would suggest courses that are quite discerning. You know, players who have accumulated many strokes gained uh, historically have shown, you know, strong, strong play in any particular field are adequately or kind of even more so rewarded for their strong play in different categories. Um, negative meaning that there is less reward and therefore less penalty. Um, I think that's an interesting component uh, of the data that we are seeing. Um, we're gonna be talking about Superdraft through uh, the course of the show, PGA contests on uh, the Superdraft platform. Um, in the play that I've observed so far, there there's kind of an interesting and maybe quite different strategy uh, for super draft gameplay compared to your salaried gameplay with DraftKings or FanDuel. Um, you know, with salaried PGA play, you uh, player rewards are typically you know correlated and proportionate to player pricing. As such, it's most sensible to spend uh, as much of your salary as possible and there there are merits to spending kind of less than your full salary salary for uh lineup differentiation but in general more salary means more points um and as such kind of the goal of salaried golf dfs or daily fantasy golf uh is to try to get as many players as you can uh as you can fit with salary constraints into your roster that you know, are going to be in the top 10, top 15. Uh, when, when we're talking about tournaments, um, you know, in cash play, I think there's a heavy importance on getting as many guys as you can through the cut line. Uh, typically, price is proportionate to relatively uh, probability of making it through the cut. Um, 
that doesn't seem to be the case, at least for tournaments. I think uh, on Superdraft for cash play, you know, still a heavy importance on making it through uh, to the cut line, you know, getting as many guys as you can. Um, but with DraftKings, you are at an advantage, obviously, to spend as much salary as you can to build your lineup with as many, you know, good kind of top tier golfers as you can. Um, on average, you know, there are, there are merits to uh, building balanced lineups where you forego uh, some of the top tier golfers in an effort to avoid low tier golfers. Um, but in general, you, you know, every lineup is converging to this max uh, salary play on super draft where there is no salary constraint. Um, assuming roughly efficient pricing you know, there is a uh, seemingly relatively equal value to building a lineup with all the best players who have low multipliers um, as there is to considering lineups of lower tier players who have higher multipliers. And I think golf in particular is an interesting daily fantasy sport um, because unlike, uh, you know, basketball in particular, or even football, you know, fringe kind of uh, skill players in football or deep bench players in basketball never really have a chance to factor into certainly a tournament winning lineup and, you know, rarely even like a cash game viable lineup. However, golf, there's enough volatility and the field is, I, I guess, the, you know, the, the pool of players is small enough. Every player has access to more or less equal scoring opportunity that it's not uncommon uh, for, you know, deep players within kind of the, the golfer, uh, you know, the, the field to factor into tournament or even cash uh, gameplay. And I think this element is really maximized on super draft. Um, you know, you can, there are, there are routes to, you know, bottom 20% of the field golfers uh, making it through to the cut, um, you know, making it through to the weekend and potentially even challenging for a top 20 uh, spot. And in salary gameplay, getting, you know, a, a, a deep, a deep field player making it inside the top 20 uh, doesn't necessarily help you in a massive way. Just the price floor on DraftKings and FanDuel isn't really low enough to adequately reward uh, deep field, you know, rostering deep field players that make it to the weekend or make it, you know, inside the top 30 or something like that um, because, you know, you still want to spend, you still want to spend up, you know, even if you make six great calls on bottom half of the field golfers, all of whom make it through the cut, uh, you know, finish within the top 20, but none of them finish within the top twin or 10, but let's say all of them finish within the top 30. None of them finish it within the top 10, you know, by rostering six bottom of the half field golfers, you're not spending all of your salary. You're really not giving yourself a chance to win. I think with Superdraft, because of the multiplier, uh, there are routes to winning tournaments without having the tournament winner. Um, I'm looking back through just contest history from last weekend at the uh, Waste Management Open. Uh, the I think some thousand plus person field was won by a lineup that didn't even have Brooks Kepka. Um, you know, Brooks won the tournament, but I think it only like 
maybe he was like 1.1, maybe 1.05 X, you know, his, his, his raw score wasn't multiplied in a big way. Uh, a far more valuable player to have was the second place finisher, KH Lee, who finished, I think, one stroke behind Kepka and obviously one place behind Kepka, but at 1.55 X, um, you know, almost 50% more than Kepka's multiplier, he was a far more valuable play. Uh, you know, I look through uh, the, the tournament winning lineup and I can read it out. Uh, it was KH Lee, Ben On, Siwoo Kim, Henrik Norlander, Bo Hogue, Webb Simpson. Um, you know, the second highest score in that lineup is Bo Hogue, who finished in 36th place, nine strokes under par, but at 1.6x, his multiplied fantasy points were an exceptionally you know, high value, tournament winning value that um, probably was not in excess of Kepka. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have uh, Kepka's kind of scorecard in front of me, but um, you, you see these instances where some of the best lineups uh, sometimes don't even have the winner and you don't necessarily have to have the winner to win a tournament if you can pin down high multiplier kind of bottom quarter of the field golfers who make it, you know, inside the top 10 or inside the top 20. Um, you know, these are really valuable plays. And I think what's cool about the super draft golf format is it's probably the best um, more so than super drafts, other formats, and certainly compared to uh, other DFS platforms the, the, their golf gameplay is, I think, better than any at rewarding uh, accurate, you know, strong, uh, you know, rostering deep players who massively exceed expectations. You know, if you roster uh, KH Lee in salaried format, you know, you still have to hit all the other, um, you know, high, high dollar guys that you roster as part of your savings on Lee. If you roster Bo Hogue, uh, you have to, I mean, at, at 36th place, nine under, I mean, you have to probably get, you know, five of the top, I don't know, seven or eight golfers uh, with the savings that you have on Hogue. Um, not really the case with Superdraft. You have to hit on those deep calls that you make and you can win by than having, you know, high tournament scorers who have lowish multipliers, but you definitely, I mean, you, you have to sprinkle in correct deep calls on, you know, bottom, bottom quartile golfers to have a chance to win. Unless of course, you know, the top, um, I don't know, the top 10 golfers are all, uh, you know, top quartile golfers, but I think golf tournaments rarely play out that way. Um, so we really like this super draft format for PGA. Um, it seems to work pretty well with our projection system, which definitely takes some aggressive stands on bottom half, bottom quartile golfers. And when we're correctly making those stands on, uh, you know, deeper, deeper golfers, uh, I think super draft is really good at rewarding those stands. Um, and I think this course in particular sets up nicely for that approach. You know, we, we talk about how there's negative um, relative importance uh, or negative meaning below average zero, you know, a, a Z score of zero, meaning there is average uh, relative importance on our four 
uh, strokes gained categories uh, below average importance means that Pebble Beach, uh, the combination of the two courses, has opportunity for uh, you know bottom quartile golfers in terms of strokes gained in a number of these categories. Uh, has opportunities for them to uh, you know get hot and rise to the top of the field, and I think that is um, a really interesting component, particularly for SuperDraft. So, with that in mind, um, you know we do have our PGA optimizer, and I think. For Superdraft gameplay in particular, I'm pretty focused on trying to set good groups of players um, to avoid some of the pitfalls that maybe uh, you know new players might succumb to. In a non-salaried format, there is an opportunity to roster all the best players, and you know this isn't a super super strong uh, field, but you know there's still still some good golfers. You know Cantlay, Berger, Jason Day. Um, Fowler, <laughs> man, it does drop off pretty quickly compared to last week, but, um, you know, there, there, there is, I think, uh, a knee jerk reaction, no salary. Uh, all right, great. Let's just play all the best guys. And, you know, I think given the multiplication format, there's really just no way that rostering the six best golfers, uh, has any chance of winning. I mean, those guys would all have to come in places one through six and, any sort of, you know, deeper golfer that has multiplication factor of, you know, 20 to 30% more, you know, would have to finish well outside the top 10. I mean, I just, I, 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 I don't know how mathematically feasible, uh, how, how it would be mathematically feasible for, you know, rostering the six backs golfers, um, how that's mathematically feasible to win. Uh, on the flip side, you know, rostering the uh, kind of six worst golfers, at least as indicated by their multiplier, you know, could work, but these guys are kind of the highest multiplier because they're some of the weaker golfers in the field. Um, you know, it's sometimes viable to take a shot on a, a 1.6 guy or two. Um, but, you know, you, uh, you roll a six-sided die uh, six times needing a one, uh, you know, you just figure like any, any deep, deep golfer uh, at best probably has a, um, I don't know, you know, 30, 40% chance of making the cut. Um, you, you, you start needing some of those uh, less than likely scenarios to occur in six different slots. Uh, you, you do, you could find yourself in trouble. Um, so I think we tend to recommend a balanced approach, uh, with our groups and rules tab, you can set rules like, um, you know, I think um, there is a somewhat clear uh, top tier of like just the, of the, of the, you know, six highest price guys can't lay highest price, meaning lowest multiplier uh, can't lay burger day Fowler, Paul Casey speef. Um, our projections would suggest that kind of Cantlay, Berger, Day, and Casey make up that top tier. So multipliers of 1.05, 1.15, 1.15, and 1.2 on Cantlay, Berger, Day, Casey, respectively. It might be recommendable to set some sort of rule that prevents you from getting, say, all four of those guys in one lineup. Um, it just feels like a preventatively low 
multiplier kind of combination of those three. So we could set rules like, um, you know, max three of uh, Cantlay, Burger Day, Casey, or max two if we wanted to be super aggressive uh, in kind of seeking out deep plays. So in a, in a course where the data suggests maybe there's less uh, penalty and reward for strong or penalty for weak players, strong a reward for strong players, maybe we consider, you know, setting that group to less than or equal to two. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we uh, try to create rules that encourage our builds to seek higher multiplier players. Uh, conversely, we might want to set rules that prevent us from loading up on a bunch of 1.5 plus multiplier uh, players. You know, some of the top deep you know, high multiplier plays that our model currently um, is high on. Guys like Molinari, Tringali, uh, Sam Burns at 135, uh, Max Homa, who's been playing well at 155, uh, Ogletree at 155. Maybe we want to create rules that prevent us from loading up too much on, uh, you know, deep kind of high multiplier plays. Um, Another feature of our optimizer that we've recently added that I find helpful uh, is setting the uh, differentiators and bounce factors in the groups and rules general tab. Um, bounce in particular is a feature that says whenever we roster a player in, a, in our builds, in subsequent builds, after rostering a player, reduce their projection by some percent. The default is set to zero. So no, um, you know, when you unedit, without in editing any rules, if you want to generate 20 lineups, you'll generate the 20 optimal lineups based on projections. If we set bounce to, let's say, 10%, if we roster, um, let's say, Francesco Molinari in the first optimal, his projection will be reduced by 10% for subsequent optimals. For every optimal that a player um, is not rostered, their projection is increased by half the difference of their original projection and their bounced or reduced projection. So if we rostered Molinari in lineup one, uh, for, subs for lineup two, his projection would be 90% his original. If he is not rostered in lineup two, his projection would increase up to um, half of the difference, so ten, half of 10%, so 5%, so that for lineup three, his projection is 95% of his original. If he's not rostered in lineup three, um, his projection now will be half of the difference uh, more between 95% uh, and 100%, so 97.5%. If he's rostered in lineup four, uh, that 97%, comes down um, to 90% of 97.5. Now we're getting into kind of mini decimal math. Um, that's kind of beyond me off the top of my head. So uh, the bounce feature is really useful in building differentiated lineups. So typically optimizers will, in golf in particular, uh, clump your best plays towards the top. And you just kind of see like very clumpy lineups where um, you know, you're, if you, let's say, have 20 lineups, 50 of which, or so 50%, so 10 of which feature uh, 
you know, the best golfer. Um, I think right now we have Siwoo Kim projected as the highest uh, multiplied total. And maybe we set his max, max exposure to like 50 or something like that, 50%. We would see without any sort of balance, we would just see Siwoo Kim featured in probably likely all of the first 10 lineups. And then similar guys who are just highly projected. Um, you know, we, we, we just, we see like all the best plays kind of clumped together in the first set of lineups. And then in subsequent lineups, it's kind of just like a very different mix of uh, players that are in kind of the second tier. I think the balance is really useful in creating lineups that have um, variation and preventing like clumping uh, together of player combinations. So that, that's a tool or that's a feature uh, that I use a lot for PGA building. Um, yeah, so those are some of like the useful rules uh, and, and, and I guess, or groups, uh, or sorry, those are some of the useful rules and just like lineup optimization features that we have in our app um, that you guys might want to consider checking out. All right, now on to players and just kind of picks. Um, in previous weeks, we've had such a strong field with so many good golfers at the top at low multipliers that optimals have gravitated towards taking these high floor, low multiplier players who you know have a high floor. They have a high likelihood of making the cut. You know your Roms, your Shoffleys, um, you know Webb Web Simpson, uh, Berger. Uh, these are guys who have high likelihood of making the cut, um, high floor, but because they have a low multiplier, they also have a somewhat limited ceiling. I mean, they, you know, guy like Shoffley, who I think was at one X last week, Rom as well, like for them to be featured in a tournament winning lineup, they either would have to win outright or probably, you know, get top two, um, or finish within kind of the top three or four and, the tournament as a whole would have to not have any high multiplier players that kind of finish in that like top six or so range. And, you know, of course that happened last week with KH Lee Shoffley, for example, had a great weekend, um, but wasn't featured in the tournament winning lineup because there were deep guys like, um, you know, Lee, uh, Bo Hogue, who, you know, had this high multipliers and also kind of made it through the cut and inside the top, uh, in Hogue's case, top 40 and Lee's place, you know, top, top two, obviously. Um, so if we start at the top looking at kind of, um, you know, high floor, low multiplier, uh, but very consistent plays that we might want to build around certainly in cash and could be pieces to a tournament winning lineup. Um, Berger's a guy who let down uh, a good bit last week, but has been a uh, pretty stable and consistent golfer uh, over the last six months. He's gained strokes in all four categories, uh, putting around the green approach and off the tee. Uh, not really an exceptional golfer in any one particular category, but uh, doesn't really appear to have a weakness in his game. At 1.15x, he is the second most expensive or second lowest multiplier on the slate. Um, but our projections have his raw uh, a decent bit ahead of his compatriots in the 1.15 bucket 
uh, Jason Day and Ricky Fowler, uh, both of whom, you know, have some strengths. I think um, you could probably say Day's putting is probably the biggest strength of, you know, between him and Fowler, but they both have weaknesses. You know, Day gives away strokes approach. Uh, Fowler gives away strokes uh, approach and putting. Berger just kind of rock solid all around. And the same could be said for Cantlay. Um, I think he's a strong play. He is the lowest multiplier of the tournament, though. Um, so for specifically tournament uh, style builds, you know, getting a little extra juice with uh, Berger at 1.15 could be a good route to go. Uh, up from Berger a little bit in multiplication is Paul Casey, uh, another just solid all-around golfer, uh, not exceptional in any one category, but um, for the most part doesn't give away massive strokes, uh, mass massive amounts of strokes in any one uh, facet of his game. Uh, he's at 1.12, right there with Jordan Spieth, who is an interesting guy. I think um, probably would like to see a little more from Spieth before he feel good about his, um, you know, pretty promising performance last weekend, but um, would like to see more from Spieth. We do not project him very favorably. Um, moving down, um, or up, I guess, in multiplication uh, to the next tier. Uh, one guy that's really popping in our model is Will Zalatoris, uh, young golfer on the tour. Uh, kind of like Berger, just doesn't lose strokes anywhere. Um, he is pretty good in uh, his first shot and uh, quite solid in his second approach shot, gaining 0.56 strokes per round in approach. Uh, but also gaining strokes uh, around and on the green. Uh, just really good, strong, all-around golfer. Uh, he figures to be a staple in lineups if you are building through our projections. Um, I think he's a really good option as either kind of your second lowest multiplier or if you want to build quite aggressively uh, using Zalatoris as your uh, multiplication floor uh, could be a way to go for tournaments. Um, his Vegas odds don't seem that strong. Oh, I'm sorry. He's uh, fourth, has the fourth best odds at 18 to one. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that is, you know, one good metric kind of we can go by as the fourth most likely golfer to win the tournament. Uh, Zalatoris is priced as the seventh highest or seventh lowest rather multiplier. So I think just good, uh, you know, pricing arbitrage opportunity there. Um, and then after that, you know, our, after kind of that tier of like Zalatoris, Casey, Berger, you know, these are kind of the, 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 low multiplier plays that are appearing in our optimals uh, at a pretty high clip. Um, the model's quite favorable on some of these low multiplier, um, or sorry, high multiplier, low price uh, guys. And, <clears throat> you know, two popping to the top are uh, Francisco, Mar Francesco Molinari and Tringale. Uh, Molinari in particular just seems like a really, good bargain at that multiplication point at 1.45 X. So 
kind of right smack dab in the middle of multiplication pricing. Uh, in this week, the range of multipliers runs from 1.05x, so no flat 1x's like we had Ram and Shafle, uh going all the way up to 1.65. So, you know, his multiplier of 1.45, uh, kind of in the middle and even skewing towards the bottom. Uh, yet Molinari, as of right now, has the sixth best odds to win the tournament. Uh, you know, Vegas sees him as more likely to win than Jordan Spieth, who he has, uh, you know, 0.25 multiplication power on. Um, so Molinari seems like a pretty strong uh, deep play, and he's been playing some pretty good golf. And as alluded to, our top multiplied projection, uh, Siwoo Kim, just below Molinari in terms of multiplication at 1.35x, uh, also just got great tournament odds relative to pricing. Uh, he's right in there behind Spieth at 28 to 1. That is 1, 2, 3, eighth best odds uh, in the field this weekend. You know, better than Ricky Fowler at 1.5x. Like I said, just behind Spieth, uh, who is, you know, priced way up at 1.2x. So Siwoo seems like a strong play. Um, he's been rock solid over the last six months, gaining strokes in all four facets of his game and gaining over a stroke per round on approach shots. So Siwoo seems like a pretty strong play. Uh Tringali, another guy game, gaining strokes of the last six months in all four facets of play. Uh, about, you know, about field average in terms of uh, strokes gained off the tee and around the green, but gaining close to a half stroke per round in approach play and putting. Sam Burns, uh, another kind of deeper play um, who we're projecting quite favorably. Again, just kind of not really losing strokes anywhere. Uh, strong off the tee, uh, about field average everywhere else. Um, so these are guys we kind of want to consider uh, in our builds. You know, uh, if you take, for example, Siwu, Molinara, Tringali, and Burns, you know, all 1.35 to 1.45x. You know, these are guys who have tournament winning upside, like, you know, uh, winning the Pro-Am uh, tournament upside. But at the same time, you know, if they just get through the cut and, you know, challenge top 10, place comfortably within the top 20, their multiplier is high enough that, you know, they can be a part of uh, contests, you know, tournament, uh, tournament winning lineups for DFS play. Uh, so really compelling pricing at some of those higher multipliers. I think for this tournament in particular, uh, given that the penalty for weak, um, you know, weak kind of poor, poor form um, in terms of strokesing putting around the green approach and off the tee. Uh, the course is expected to be a little less penal uh, per the data that we have access to. Um, you know, I think it's a good weekend to try to take shots on multiple, uh, you know, and I say multiple and kind of around the number of like three or even four of these guys in the 1.3x multiplier range. Uh, you know, simply there's just not that many guys at low multipliers uh, this week. And there's some really compelling uh, multiplication pricing. And kind of the mid to upper tier, um, 
So yeah, these are, these are good guys to take shots on. Um, you can use our projections to build lineups. I think uh, super draft golf contests have been experiencing not insane overlay, but significant overlay uh, for the past few weekends. Um, and I think uh, in particular, there's kind of a shortage of MME tools out there for uh, super draft PGA contests. So I think there's a real edge to be had uh, in building MME lineups through some sort of optimizer with group settings, with rule settings, with, uh, you know, bouncer differentiator uh, settings. I think you really set yourself up for success um, if you are uh, you know, using the tool well and using good projections, either projections that we provide or uh, projections that you can import and edit yourself. Um, so I encourage you guys to check that out at advancedsportsanalytics.com. Encourage you to check out Superdraft PGA contests this weekend. I uh, think really good uh, pricing with regards to low rake, really good overlay opportunities, and in my opinion, just a really fun uh, gameplay style where uh, you know you don't have to pick six golfers in the top ten. Um, you really get rewarded for making some correct calls on some of these deeper plays. I think that makes for really fun, uh, you know, gameplay and strategy. So I encourage you guys to check them out um, at superdraft.io. And we will uh, catch you guys next week uh, for next week's PGA tournament.